This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Well, everyone, welcome again to another edition of the Tesla Owners Online Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. Look who's in the house with me, Mr. Michael Bodner from Florida. He's, yes, hey, we're going to have some. Yeah, he's in Canada for sure. He's got the ketchup chips here, as you can tell. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we uh, we did a podcast back in February. We uh, totally chowed out on a bunch of Canadian snacks that Ian brought down. And, uh, you know, Michael's here. We couldn't let him go anywhere without some ketchup chips. So It's nice to have the gang back together so we can all catch up on what's been going on. Oh, Eric. Eric and his puns. You can always count on Eric for the best puns. All right. Well, uh, obviously, the subject of tonight's show is going to be about the third quarter earnings. But before we do that, we want to jump in and do just a little bit of house cleaning, get you caught up a little bit on some stuff that's happening on Twitter, of course, because, you know, does his thing. So we're going to go through that very quickly and we'll get into the good stuff. So the uh, first tweet that Elon put out, um, well, actually, it comes from our friend uh, Rafael Santoni there, Mr. Teslatino itself. Let me just bring up the... Uh, the page here so for those of you watching on the video you can see i apologize for those of you listen to the audio version but uh, sometimes we have to do this anyway so uh, he uh, got on twitter and asked elon so can we get the internal camera of the cars talk about the model 3 here uh, to record karaoke sessions in the future my passengers are killing it having fun while i drive elon responds he says the internal camera isn't used yet he says it's meant for the robo taxi in quotes but that is a good idea so obviously they're open to some ideas to maybe using the camera for that. So uh, I'm sure Elon owes Raphael a new phone. <laughs> because if, if <laughs> you... Probably. <laughs> anytime you get a response from Elon, holy mackerel, with 28 million subscribers, boy, that battery heats up fast. Um, another tweet that popped up. Um, actually, this one comes um, courtesy of uh, Tesla Roddy because they had posted an article about the Model S that's back at the Nürburgring track. And this it's a blue Model S. P100D plus ludicrous, whatever they call it. Anyway, so there's this big wing on the back. And uh, Elon took Twitter and says, hey, by the way, the big wing is only on there for a day for rear downforce calibration. It is not needed to set the ring record and won't be in production. So for those of you who are thinking the Model S is turning into a ricer, don't worry about it. <laughs> I like it. Well, of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Uh, one more tweet, maybe two more tweets here. There's another one here. Someone named Klaus on, on uh, Twitter had asked Elon, Hey Elon, will there be a V-Box style of function in track mode for the Roadster 2? And Elon said, sure. So I think some of us who are getting Roadsters or other people buying Roadsters, um, hey, that makes total sense, right? Why not? They should put that mm -hmm. in all the cars. I agree. It, it, it's got to be easy. I mean, the car well, has absolutely have, everything it needs. Well, it to has accelerometers. Work. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly. All right. I lost Eric again. Uh, that's okay. It happens. Internet's been flaky. <laughs> I apologize. The internet's been flaky where Eric has been here. So he will come back here in due time. All right, moving along. Um, I just want to talk a little bit very quickly. There's some follow-up here. This was an article that was uh, posted on Reddit. <clears throat> Actually, it's uh, by The Telegraph, but they're behind a paywall, so somebody posted this stuff to Reddit. Um, the article says, Europe considers relaxing self-driving laws under pressure from Tesla. Um, the reason I say this is some follow-up is because uh, we've had people 
in the past uh, asked us through the podcast questions what's going on with autopilot in Europe because it's severely clobbered over there. So the article is basically saying that uh, Europe is considering relaxing its restrictions on self-driving technology under pressure from Tesla. Um, they're basically saying that, um, let's see here, where's the important bit down here? I'm trying to find it here. Uh, the proposal submitted by the European Association of Electromobility uh, of which Fra uh, Tesla France is a member, suggests raising the lane change time to 20 seconds and increasing the system's turning ability. Uh, apparently in, in Europe, the turning capabilities of autopilot are restricted, so many times people are, are going into curves and stuff, and the car's freaking out, you have to take over all the time. It's not, it's not as flexible as what we have in here. So I'm hoping that this happens. Anyways, I just wanted to point this out because I caught this, because obviously some people have asked this in the past, so I thought, you know what, let's do some follow-up on this so that you guys get caught up on what's going on there. Yes, more power is coming to the cars. Elon took to Twitter and said that uh, there is going to be an upcoming firmware update that will give Model S and X an additional 3% power, and Model 3 is going to get uh, an update 3% uh, power. Now, it didn't specify exactly what variant. I'm going to assume it's probably all the cars. Um, let's see here. They're also going to be adding something called one-pedal driving or something similar to that. So anybody who has a recent Nissan Leaf or um, Chevy Bolt, um, mm -hmm. They have something very similar to that where you basically don't touch the brakes within city driving. So apparently, um, I've been talking to some people online, it looks like it removes the five mile per hour limit. So it'll take you right down to zero, which is great because that'll just extend your battery life. And he also claims that it will extend range on the car, obviously, because you're getting more regen in that port. Uh, I would suspect that, you know, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, <laughs> but I would say they're probably going to tune the regen to make it stronger and po potentially... Um, blend in some brakes. Remember how we had talked before about how yep. the other cars, they blend a little bit of braking in there? I think so, they're going to have to, especially on the rear-wheel drive cars, because if you only have the partial permanent magnet motor, the regen on it kind of dies out, you know, once you reach near five miles an hour. I don't think it would actually bring the car to a stop, is, mm -hmm. is what the problem is. It's the motor design. So they're going to have to blend in some hydraulic braking at that point, I think, to make it operate. I, well, I found I can get close to a stop but it's a long you always have that long coast. run up from five to two miles an hour that's right yeah you, that's, always that's have that coast. you know it's not going to work for a stop sign or a red light so right. exactly um they also said that they are going to increase the supercharging for sr and sr plus cars so they'll be able to get a little yeah. higher rate on those it didn't again they that's don't specify nice. the numbers but yeah so it's encouraging yes indeed mm-hmm all right, so until we get Eric back, let's uh, jump in a little bit here and let's talk about investor relations, which is the, uh, well, that's Tesla's website, ir.tesla.com, by the way, if you want to go and look at Tesla's report that they publish every quarter. So yesterday they had the financial call where they released all their numbers and boy, is it ever good because obviously Tesla stock just went absolutely through the roof over the last 24 hours, um, broke $300. Now it's settled a little bit lower here today, but um yeah, burn, shorties, burn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the marshmallows. That's right. So um, I'm going to very quickly go over some of the numbers. We're not going to dig really deep on this, but I want to have a general discussion of, about what is happening with Tesla. So basically they say on uh, cash, they have $383 million increase in the cash and the cash equivalents balance is to $5.3 billion. That's $371 million operating cash. Uh, flow less capex so that's uh, free cash flow so free cash flow is super important because that's what keeps the boat afloat right it, it keeps them from having to go back to markets to raise more capital 
Tesla is also profitable. They had $261 million gap accounting income. That's a 4.1% operating margin. $143 million in gap net income. $342 million non-gap net income. And uh, operative oper automotive gross margin is 22.8 uh, gap margin, so definitely up from before. They also specified that the Gigafactory Shanghai is actually ahead of schedule. Trial production has started. Model Y is also ahead of schedule. We'll get into that a little bit later. They expect um, production for that to be summer of 2020, not the fall, so they're pulling it up a little bit sooner. They, of course, they had announced the vehicle production and deliveries prior, but I'll just renumerate the numbers again. Uh, record vehicle production of 96,000 cars and deliveries of 97,000 vehicles. And a record storage deployment of 477 megawatt hours and 48% solar growth quarter over quarter. So the bottom line, Tesla's profitable. They're still in business. Things are doing great. Um, it, You know, my takeaway from this kind of overview I want you guys to chime in here. I just get this confidence feeling that Tesla seems to be finally hitting their stride. Um, it's been hit or miss over the last couple of years. Model 3 ramp's been very, very difficult for them. But especially with Gigafactory 3 coming online, man, that's a that's a moneymaker right there. Once the production ramp really happens on that and they get the cars out to China, China is a massive market, and they're all dying for Teslas. So I think, I mean, things can change. I mean, anything can happen. But, yeah, once that Gigafactory 3 comes online, things are really going to take off. And, you know, of course, then we're waiting for Model Y coming as well. So, guys, I want you to chime in here. Some of you had a chance to look at these numbers and stuff. So, Eric, any thoughts? You start first. Cool. Uh, so, thanks, technology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, here's here's the, the, the overriding thought. So, I tweeted this out earlier uh, <laughs> when the figures first got released by Elon. Um which is, I hope the uh, the test lackers uh, were sorry they're having such a bad day yesterday. Um, so there were a few things that stuck out uh, during the call. Uh, one is that these figures are probably better than I think a lot of us even who support the company and its mission even thought were possible. I mean, we knew the delivery numbers were really great, uh, but to not only see those delivery numbers, but now see the figures, the actual fiscal numbers. Uh, support those um, overreaching targets uh, was impressive. The other thing that also was impressive was um, the, the emphasis on solar and how that is actually that sector of the company is growing. Um, Elon really is optimistic about solar and what it means for a lot of owners who are going to be getting it, uh, especially for people like in California, uh, who some people now are even going through some outages yet again uh, with the fires that they're having out there. Um, so, so, you know, there was a lot to take out of the call. I think the, you know, the individual investor questions, you know, sometimes we get bogged down in terms of the data. And so that's what they tend to focus on. Um, you know, there was obviously an overwhelming amount of cool things that came out from the call in terms of like the uh, power output increases that are going to be forthcoming. Um, you know, the, 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 the pickup truck, the, you know, the name of it, not going to be a letter. It's going to be something totally different. He's taking um, so the calling whole, it the cyber truck now. Yeah, so there's a lot of things. I see those little things to me. Um, you know, the improvement to uh, regen braking, uh, you know, stuff like that. So th those sort of improvements to me are, are are fine. But that's an ever ongoing thing. You know, when it comes to vehicle updates. I mean, we know there's those software updates, and with that comes cool new things. Um, you know, I think they recapped the the V10 
release pretty well. Um, so a lot, a lot of cool, exciting news. Um, but overall, I think the, the, the focus they had on the business stuff, that's the thing that always sticks out to me. The, what you do to my car, that's great. That's just an added benefit. But ultimately, the long-term viability of Tesla is reliant on their growth. And the growth right now is both in the vehicle market and in the solar market. So they actually hear a lot of data uh, focusing on those two platforms I thought was very significant. So I would quickly add one thing that I found really impressive while we might have, as you just said it, Eric, we're all kind of surprised with how good the numbers are. They're in the middle of building a massive factory faster than anyone could have ever expected. And mm -hmm. they're profitable. And they don't need to go back to the markets for more money. So yeah. That's that's why the stock just took off. I mean, I think you, you said it, Trev. They, they they got their stuff in order. Like they're in business now. I think we all feel confident when we hear things like Model Y is ahead of schedule. They don't want to promise delivery dates, but it feels like it's pretty good. Um, that means they've matured as a company. They're not betting the company. They know what they're doing now, and they're pretty good at it. So. It's a it's a good time to be really confident. It's almost like they have were, a plan, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were there were a lot of news outlets that took the the call earnings or the earnings call from yesterday, and and the headline for some of these you know respectable news outlets was maybe Tesla finally is considered a force to be reckoned with. You know, they're basically now a dominant company in the in the vehicle sector. Um, but I, again, there's so much focus on the car part of this. They're an energy company. Mm -hmm. They are a solar power company. They are, you know, they manufacture cars. I mean, overall, <clears throat> Tesla's mission is everything based on um, environmentalism, uh, you know, uh, sustainability, things like that. So the fact that the, one of the things they produce is a vehicle is great. But by and large, they are, to me, they're always going to be an energy company first and foremost. Um, so, you know, it's great that the cars are the big story of the day. And again, it's understandable why that should be. Um, but they're far more than just a car company. And I really like the the mainstream media to sort of start deviating away from that all the time. Because, again, the focus is always on cars. Um, but they're doing so much more. I mean, they, they even mentioned during the class yesterday, they think of themselves also as a software company, not just a hardware company. So when you combine all of that together, you know, again, the Model 3, the Model Y, the, the Cybertruck, all that stuff is all the, se the semi going in production in, in some number next year. All great. But uh, it, it's really what's underlying behind all of that that I think is just as equally important. Some interesting stuff that also came out of the letter that they actually published some photographs from inside the uh, Chinese uh, Gigafactory. Here, I'll bring a couple of them up. Here, there's some uh, Model 3s, body in white. Tesla says that they built the Shanghai Gigafactory in 10 months and it's ready for production. They're just waiting for approval from the government to actually start uh, production. It cost them about 65% less in CapEx to build than the Model 3 production system in the U.S. Here's another shot of uh, robots and the uh, production line. Apologize for those of you listening to the audio podcast. Again, we published this on YouTube, uh, the video version, so you can go and see it. Uh, here's another photograph of the large stamping press putting out some body panels. Don't know. I'm going to assume that's a Schuler press, but who knows. And uh, this is an interesting picture here. A whole team of people uh, looking at a, or surrounded by a uh, blue Model 3. Um, I'm going to say that's probably what they call job one, which is the very first car off the production line, because that's typically what they do. Mm -hmm. We don't know. They haven't confirmed that, but I'm calling that, well, I'm calling it job one anyways. <laughs> so it, it looks like it's working. Uh, things, things are going well for these guys. Um, 
as I mentioned before, the, the Gigafactory, as far as I'm concerned, in China, and if you looked at the numbers in China, that thing's a license to print money. And they've also confirmed that the second phase of the factory is currently under construction. That's where the battery cells and the batteries are actually going to be made. So the initial pro, um, production is going to be imported batteries, but probably in another nine to ten months, we'll have another factory uh, on site. Uh, that will build the battery. So it'll be fully complete. And I was in discussion with some people on Twitter today because there was some also some talk because in the letter that they confirmed that they were going to start limited production of the Tesla Semi sometime next year. And everybody's asking where are they going to build this thing? And of course, you know, the, uh, um, what is it, the distribution center in Lathrop is, mm -hmm. is, has always been thrown around. And I'm like, have we forgotten about Gigafactory 1? <laughs> it's only 30% finish they own all that land and yeah. my thinking is that they've take i think what they're probably going to do just based on how th things have kind of stalled in in reno nevada with the gig factory one they built this factory in china less capex the learnings from that will likely go into Gigafactory 1 at the expansion so they can build more cars over there in, in due time. That's just my personal opinion. They can't build any more over at Fremont. Yeah, they were able to shoehorn in, looks like, you know, Model Y production, but they, they can't do any more at that factory. So where else are you going to put it? If we believe at face value that the Lathrop facility is indeed, a, a, you know, a... Um, a distribution center for parts, mm -hmm. warehousing, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know. It, I just keep going back to this thing. Like, they're supposed to finish this Gigafactory in Nevada by 2020, and it's still sitting there 30% finished. So something's got to give at some point. So that's just my personal opinion. They still have other cars that are coming. You know, they got the Semi, they got the Roadster, they got this Cybertruck. Let's talk about the Cybertruck real quick. Elon's taken to calling it the Cybertruck. So uh, I think he's done calling it model something. <clears throat> I mean, what was that? The B or whatever he was throwing around there for a while? Model P. Model B? That does Well, that, yeah, he had all these weird, like, Monty Python, you know, B references. Eric, and half the B. Yeah. Eric, half a B, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. So he was trying to work it in there, but I, I, I don't know where he was going with that. You know, I'm like, going with Cybertruck now. Would, would he be hiding in plain sight with the name, just, like, throwing it out there? Well, Tesla Roadster, Tesla Semi. I mean, yeah. kind of known. The Cybertruck. Why not? You could. You never know. I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. I mean, we're so used to hearing it now. I'm not a truck person, and I can't wait to see this truck. So, Well, seeing and buying are two different things. I'm the same way. I mean, I have but, no use for a truck, but I'll look at it. But I think that's the whole point of this truck is it's designed to appeal to a wholly different crowd. I mean, his only concern is will it appeal to traditional truck buyers? He's not really – he knows all the geeks like us are going to freak out over it, but the, but are you going to be able to get somebody who's like you know, on the cusp of F-150 yeah. or Silverado. If, if that, gonna, that is a big question. The ahead. other thing, too, is that you never really know if you need something until it exists. That's true. true. So, so it's it entirely plausible. One. Yeah. Right, but it's entirely plausible that people are going to go, I don't want that. And then they take one look at it and go, well, that's something I've never seen before. I might want to get my hands on that. Yeah. So, I mean, and we, and we can think back to countless products. I mean, nobody ever thought that, you know, we needed a smartphone. But now you tell people who have a smartphone, Go a week without your smartphone. They're like, over my dead body. Like, because they can't. They can't fathom the length without it now. Yeah. So I would, I would think that this is going to be. I mean, when you think about the the capacity of this truck to just eat the towing package, that alone is going to blow other vehicles out of the water. And some people might go, 
maybe it's not my own taste, but I got this thing I got to haul back here, so I might as well get my hands on it. Well, the thing you have to remember, pickups are marketed at cargo and towing. If you look at all the ads, I can tow one ton, two tons, an aircraft carrier. That's what, that's the market. That's what people want. My truck hauls a space shuttle. I got reverse things, so I don't have to be a, you know, a real good guy backing up my boat into the water type of thing, right? So. Anyways, yeah, I, I think if there's any loyal market, I mean, the pickup truck market's pretty loyal in a lot of ways. I mean, mm-hmm. try and get a Silverado guy to go buy a, an F-150 or vice versa. It just doesn't happen. I mean, Ford guy's a Ford guy, right? So I think it has to be super compelling. I think part of that compelling part is going to be the design. And I've said yeah. this to many people. I think the indication here with Tesla, or at least with Elon's thinking, is to throw caution to the wind. Um, you know, when they designed the Model S, Model S is not particularly an avant-garde car. Uh, they even put a fake nose cone on it originally so that it wouldn't throw people off. And now that they're established, they can start being a little more uh, adventurous. You know, the Model 3 doesn't have a grill. And, of course, they, you know, the Model 3 has a very advanced interior. And I think the Cybertruck, sorry, I'm going to use the word, but I think in a lot of ways it's like throw caution to the wind. Let's make this thing look so completely and utterly radical that when people see this thing on the road, they go, holy crap, what the hell is that thing, right, to get the eyeballs? Because let's face it, if you're going into a market that you have to disrupt and it's so crowded with established makes, you have to stand out. You can't just make an F-150 competitor that looks like an F-150. It has to be completely and utterly different. And to your point, one already exists, Rivian. Rivian has taken a very traditional approach. And I mean, I think it's smart because I think there are going to be a certain number of customers who want a very conventional, in the same way that, you know, Tesla was smart to go after the luxury car market with a very conventional looking luxury car with the Model S. Rivian's taking that same cautious approach to the pickup truck market. So all the more reason why the first Tesla one should just be flat out outrageous. Well, there's new mark. Uh, there's you know, Riven is one of the companies that's coming into that space. Uh, Bollinger just announced the pricing on their cars, uh, yeah. one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. That's a lot of money for a vehicle like that. Mm-hmm. So that's touched a bit of a nerve, obviously, with some people online. Yeah, um, look, people spend a lot of money on like the Mercedes-Benz G wagon, which is oh ugly. yeah, G wagon. That's a hundred thousand dollar box on wheels. So <laughs> it's crazy. Talk, talk to Doug Demuro about that one. The LED light strip. Uh, really, yeah. Might... Sorry, I'm not comfortable right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other, the other thing, too, is that just in terms of this, uh, I don't want to get bogged down into the specifics too much, but even if you have like a, a tra- if you think of a, a pickup truck, no one, like you, when you see advertising for Chevrolet or Ford or GMC or whatever it is, they don't boast about their body style. They talk about, look what the, the towing capacity is, look how, look how the yeah. truck bed looks, you know, look at the cabin space. Like they don't talk about check out this front windshield ain't that like it's just it's not they all are basically the same kind of shape so for tesla to market it that they're gonna like they know the performance will will basically be the showstopper right there but when you initially just have it based on looks have to catch your attention you have to stop and ask what is that what is that i don't understand what is oh my god looks totally different is that a truck what it that alone stirs the conversation a bit differently then you get people to talk about the, the specifics of how the vehicle performs. Oh, it can drive this much, you know, distance. It can handle this much towing. And da, da, da. now you're basically now compare everything apples to apples. But if you start with the body's entirely different, it is the you know sort of the Blade Runner 
esque uh, appearance to it. Especially even now, we hear these vague descriptions, and we're like, we still don't know what it looks like. We have no idea what they're still planning on. Uh, so I'm curious to see when renderings start being released. But yeah, that's every truck is basically the same. No one talks about like, oh, the front grill looks amazing when you're towing your 80 foot boat. Like, no, that's not how that is. No. And you can summon it to the boat or to whatever you're <laughs> yeah. hauling. That's awesome. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some have stuff. It, have it pull your trailer out of the, the dock bay all by itself. I, I, do, I have heard really somebody have, that has done that. Sitting in the boat, pull it up on the thing, and actually use someone from his phone and his Model X to pull the boat out of the water. Nice. I do know nice. somebody has done that. <laughs> At one mile an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to get back to some of the other stuff that's in the investor letter here because it's pertinent to you know kind of the grand scheme of things. They did talk about autopilot and full self-driving. So first, one of the things that they were able to do with the advent of Smart Summon was to actually realize some unrecognized profits. Um, remember when they were selling FSD, uh, they decided to put it on the books as unrealized profits. They couldn't count it because they didn't feel that there were some features in there that warrant it. Well, now that the full that the uh, Smart Summit is out there, I think they said they were able to realize some $30 million worth yeah. of those. So there's more. I think they will release more of those funds into their coffers as they go forward and release more features. Speaking of which, Elon did say that there is going to be uh, an even better version of Smart Summon that's going to be coming out very shortly in the next few weeks that's going to make things even better. That's typically what we expected anyways. He also said that they, um, uh, their metrics show that uh, they've had it about a million times, right? People have used Smart Summon yeah, about a, a million, million times. times. You guys have to catch up. I've used it about a million times. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, um, there was what? Over, there was over 100,000 uses just in the first couple of days of V10 being rolled out wide. Well, the number we did here was half a million, but at, you know, sorry, at what point, yeah, at what, at what point within, did they count? Within a week, that? I think it hit half a million. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know a friend of mine who's probably used it a thousand times himself. So mm -hmm. I've used it a couple of times. Um, I'm I not brave enough. three times. I'm not brave enough yet, but um, uh, let's see here. What else is going on? Um, you know what? I want to talk about Model S and Model X a little bit because. If you listen to the financial call, a little bit later on, somebody had asked them, you know, what's happening with those cars? You know, are they are they part of the mission? And Elon kind of like, you could tell he was like, well, it's not really a priority anymore. And he feel and and the way he put it is that we're still making them for nostalgic reasons. He did, yeah, I thought he, that was a bit of a downer as a comment. Yeah, Just like, really? he, you know, he, like he did quickly flip though and said, but they're amazing. That's true. Yeah. I'm like he's hedging that, right? right. He's like, like <laughs> personally, my personal opinion based on what they've been doing and the fact that they're not really, they haven't. Th this fabled update that was supposed to happen to the cars this year obviously hasn't materialized. Yes, they did a small update to the suspension and the drivetrain. That's all great. We do know that there is going to be a, a bigger update in terms of the performance with the cars coming sometime next summer. That's what the whole point of the car going around the Nurburgring track is all about. That's the plaid powertrain which we'll talk about the roadster here in a second too because that's that's another animal here in a second but i think it would not surprise me and in the in the, the impression that i get with this is that the s and the x once they get a few more cars under their belt let's say the model y is out the semi is out the cyber truck um who knows what else they're working on that i think there'll come a time when tesla will sunset those vehicles and just like finally discontinue them they're not they're not selling as well anymore if you look at the numbers they're nowhere near what model s or model model 3 is the numbers are certainly down from what they used to sell so there's obviously some cannibalization if you want to call it that happening with model 3 for well i mean for obvious reasons the, the market for ninety thousand dollar sedans is certainly smaller than the market for 
thirty to sixty thousand dollars sedans. You know, I look at it and I say, all right, if I bought a Model S in 2013, 2014, I'm probably at that point in time now where I'm starting to look for my next car. Have they done enough to get me to buy another Model S with the refreshes? The new nose cone came in about two years ago. Um, the range has increased like crazy, the performance. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, I guess everybody's different in what they're going to be looking for. Uh, but, you know, if I'm on the business side of things, it doesn't pay to put the CapEx dollars into going mad on, on X and S. It, it makes sense on 3 and Y. I think the single biggest problem I see is they're not – a lot of the people who originally bought the S uh, were people who were doing an, an incredible Tesla stretch. I mean, bigger than us of those, those of us mm -hmm. that did it with the 3. A lot of people move from, like, Priuses and such – to the S, which is an you know, that's you're a talking, big stretch, a huge stretch, exactly. And they they openly said, I never wanted to buy a car this large or this expensive or this opulent. So when it came time to change, I think for them it was like, well, now I'm going to get a three because that's really the right size vehicle for me. Uh, I, I have to think that unfortunately that means that they they don't get enough repeat. You know, um, to your point, Michael, about people who are ready to change now would would be more comfortable going into the three because it just makes more sense. It just didn't exist when they wanted, you know, to, to jump in. So I'm going to pop, I'm going to actually throw this theory out there. So there are a lot of, we, we've seen a lot of vehicles in uh, uh, the list where they sort of track the amount of mileage of vehicles driven. There's a lot of Model S owners, more so because the car has been out longer, that are trying to top each other with how, you know, these record distances of eclipsing 500,000 kilometers, 600,000 kilometers, and so on. There are a lot of legacy owners, those initial first batch of S owners, that love their car, that still have the original nose cone, that didn't do a lot of changes to the vehicle, not a lot of aftermarket accessories, that sort of thing. Um, and, and they don't want to trade in their car. They're happy with what they have. Um, and I think, I think with electric cars, especially with how Tesla's cars are, like, for example, my intention with my Model 3 is to keep it until it dies, until there's just no way they can't put it into a battery pack. The, like, the car just has to get destroyed. Um, and that might happen 40 years from now. You just never know. I think, I think these cars are changing the way we think about how often vehicles are traded in and upgraded to different cars. Because we've known the Raven Refresh has been out now. We've known that the new nose cone's been out for a bit. Um, there's a lot of owners that they could say, yeah, I could get into a car that's got higher battery capacity, better mileage efficiency, more software updates, a new hardware computer, blah, 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 has autopilot. There are a lot of cars out there that don't have autopilot. And they're like, yeah, I'm fine with what I got. I mean, there are people we know who have the original Roadster who won't let that thing go. So so I, I, I do get that there is, there's this move to the mainstream three and Y just because they can both be mass produced. We've seen that with the three. We know the Y is largely 80 some odd percent of what the three is. So it stands to reason they're gonna get that in production very quickly. And that's its own vehicle market uh, that it has. But I but I'm, I, I wanna kind of pump the brakes here a bit on, on any concerns for S and X because th those aren't going anywhere. They're gonna continue selling. Are they gonna sell as well as three and Y? Well, probably not, but are there owners who will you, that you couldn't pay them to part with their car? Yeah, and and that's that that to me is a testament to what Tesla means when people are going. Yeah, I could go for something newer and better and faster and whatever, but I love what I have because it's the it's my first one, and and you're going to see a lot of owners not willing to part with their original car. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I have a friend of mine who uh, 
his lease is up on on his Model S, and he was asking me what should I do. And I like, well, I had to lay it out. You have more choices now, so you have to figure out what you want to do. I mean, are you looking for performance? Are you looking for a sedan? Are you looking for, you know, an SUV? Or do you just want another Model S that has the same cargo, but you're going to have to spend more money? Because he had a 70D, pretty bottom mm-hmm. of the barrel at the time. So now it's like, okay, well, now you have to get a long-range car because they don't make the standard range anymore. And, uh, you know... So I don't know what he's decided to do, but he has certainly more choices now as far as that's concerned. So, and, and he even told me, even though he's an executive, he said, this is the most expensive car I've ever bought. And I don't know if I want to spend this kind of money again. Right. So, Ian, you were going to say something? I, I think the lease market's a bit different just because a lot of those are people who tend to not like having cars for long periods of time. Yeah. But if, but if, you're, but if you actually are paying for your car, you paid cash, uh, you know, you're, you're doing the financing of some option. Again, I think a lot of those owners are not willing to trade up their vehicles. I mean, I I can tell you, I guarantee if you were to call 10 random Tesla owners who have owned their cars for at least three years and say, would you be willing to trade in your car? And they go, oh, well, maybe. What would you give me for the car? And you don't give them anywhere near what they think it's worth? Forget it. And that's the thing. Every Tesla owner knows their car is worth more to them than to somebody else. Oh, of course. So, So you have to have a figure that's really, really high. And I think a lot of folks are going to go, yeah, but I can I can get a used one now on Tesla.com for less than what you want for yours. Like, right. So the emotional connection is what makes the cars more valuable. And I think that's why a lot of folks aren't willing to trade up. Mm-hmm. I think for me, this will probably be the longest I ever keep a car, to your point, Eric. Yeah. Um, it, it could, you know, when, if, when, I'll say when, not if. <laughs> when robo-taxi becomes a thing. Maybe this car becomes my robo taxi yeah, vehicle, and then I upgrade. Uh, but yeah, right Maybe. now it, I wanted to get the performance car so badly it didn't exist when I got mine. I just can't swing it in my mind. It, there's nothing wrong with my car, and it's going to be great for so long. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't come to terms with doing it. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. FineLab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. Let's see here. What else can we talk about? Uh, supercharging stations. Um, if you look at the letter, they have increased uh, year over year. So in the third quarter of 2018, they had 1,352 supercharging stations. Not not actual plugs, but actual physical locations. And uh, currently at the end of the uh, third quarter of 2019, it's up to 1,653. That's a 22% increase year over year. Um, they also put in a metric here as far as connectors, but as far as I'm concerned, that means really nothing. I mean, other than the numbers showing 32%, but uh, the locations are more important than they are <laughs> as far as the stalls are concerned. Uh, destination charging has also grown, but not as much. It's 16% year over year. So they started out um, a year ago they had uh, 20,652 locations or charging connectors, I should say. Those are the uh, wall connectors, like Ian has a bunch there at work. And, I uh, that list. Yes, um, and let's see here. They exited the third quarter with 23,906. So it's definitely an increase, but not quite as much as others. That program has changed, I think. Um, you know, there's been some personal changeovers and so on and so forth. So 
Let's see here. Um, solar. We're not really into the solar thing, but they were supposed to announce a new product today, the version 3. And I've been looking at the website all day today, and I just looked at the investor site. Still no sign of it. Tomorrow, I, I think. I, I saw a tweet not earlier this change? evening saying it's going to be tomorrow now. Oh, okay. Well, they all right. So they said originally today, but, uh, yeah. well, maybe it's tomorrow then. Um, anybody who would like to sign up for solar? I would if it was available in Canada. <laughs> I would. Yeah. I love the idea of it. I mean, you know, sometime in the next 10 years, my house is going to need a roof. The only thing is in Quebec, it's hard to make the numbers work. I mean, our electricity is insane. Yeah, you guys cheap. are cheap. Well, yeah, we pay all in like around six, six and a half cents a kilowatt hour. I mean, you know, you know how long you'd have to have those tiles up there to get that back? I mean, you know, there there is some, there are some value, especially for uh, U.S. customers, because from state to state, obviously, every municipality is different and who they're you know, their local provider is. Um, here in Florida, we have more than one. The dominant force here is Florida Power and Light. Um, but there are others. I know like parts of Florida also use Duke Energy, which is predominantly out of North Carolina. Um, and, you know, FPNL has some advertising uh, lately uh, in our market showcasing their rates compared to other states. Uh, and some of the states they select are like California and some of them. So like there, there are comparable numbers you can extrapolate from that. But overall, I also feel like it's great that you talk about that. But also, we in Florida voted to get, you know, to go solar. And there's been hindrances in getting that stuff done. It's just very weird. We're the sunshine state, and we're not all in on solar. I don't understand. Um, Whenever I saw all of those, those, you know, like in, in your state legislature, every time they block something, some action for the solar companies, you know, I'm like, really? Sunshine state? It's really? Sunshine State. Well, here the other thing too is, and I don't want to get too bogged down in the numbers here, but the say that again. The the thing really <laughs> for me about solar is when when you have companies who are reliant on the revenue that comes from paying customers, if you then say, hey, we're gonna you know allow you to get solar, their immediate response is, no, 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 wait, 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 hold on, because it cuts into their profit margins, and ideally, like there should be a way to make it work for everybody. Because the benefit of solar is whatever energy I'm not using during the day, which a lot of Floridians leave their homes to go to work, um, you know, your energy is basically going into the grid. And then at night when you need it, it's given back to you. And, you know, that buyback makes sense. And overall, your bills come down. But the energy company still gets a benefit of actually using your solar energy, which doesn't cost them anything. All they're doing is feeding it back into the system. So, you know, I think Tesla would be better served if there were a lot more utility companies willing to partner with them to say, okay, we're willing to actually even offer your solution to our customers for a certain percentage. If again, the ultimate mission is getting as many homes with solar as possible, and then also throw into that power wall. I mean, ideally like here in Florida, we could have so many solar installations and probably never ever have to run in anything but the sun. Because, you know, we have sunshine almost the entire year. Um, you know, unlike some folks in Canada, sorry, I'm just, I, I didn't mean that. Um, we have some, yeah, it, just not all the time. <laughs> that's insane. Right. Right. Like, Hey, is it winter? I, I'll, I'll see you in, in the spring for summer. Um, but no, it, it is, it is strange that, you know, there are a lot of places that can't get solar. Like I'm someone who's looking for a house right now. I'm looking to buy a new house and I'm cognizant of, can I get solar on this roof? Am I allowed to put solar in? Does the community restrict it? Um, do other homes already have it? You know, what's the cost 
to do so because it, it matters. It matters now long term. Like that's the thing that we're thinking about is because ultimately it is just better for the environment and better for our pocketbook. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. What else? Uh, one of the analysts had, I mean, it wasn't discussed all that much in there because someone had asked him about how Tesla insurance was doing. And uh, obviously Tesla insurance right now is only available in California, but they said that they were looking at reducing insurance costs uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 20 to 30 percent. Um, they did kind of point out that they were not looking at like undercutting everybody, but giving somebody an option, you know, if they happen to run into, say, like a Geico or one of the others that was maybe too expensive in their particular jurisdiction. I understand that insurance changes very, very much depending on where you live and what you do and so on and so forth. Not everybody pays the same price, not even your neighbor half the time. Um, they were asked if it was going to be uh, offered in other states and other places, and they said that over time it will happen. Right now, they're 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 working as fast as they can because this is a jurisdictional thing. They have to go by, yeah. you know, different places and stuff. So, um, if you're still looking at insurance, uh, well, you know, you're gonna have to suffer <laughs> until Tesla comes along, and um, would, and offers that. You know, I would say the reality is Geico, State Farm, Progressive. I have Progressive. All those companies spend an absolute boatload of money on marketing and tesla spends zero they don't have to do much to undercut the competition because they just don't advertise they'll serve their own customer base one important thing for our listeners to note um you know just i hope everyone knows this but in case pro tip uh you can cancel your insurance policy at any time you don't have to wait for your renewal to expire to renew you will get a refund check back so challenge your insurance company by looking at others and if you see better do it don't don't just hang on and wait what, uh, what did elon say in the call do you want marketing or do you want yeah something yeah. You know, better prices or something like that because obviously you know with tesla you know they they also mentioned that they were they're looking at you know they try to reduce the prices on their products because if they find cost efficiencies they do like to pass it on to the customer the mm-hmm. net effect, though, of course, is that you do get a significant amount of people out there who will complain if they over if they feel like they've overpaid. I get that. I've never done that. I've never done that either. I paid the price. I'm happy to pay the price. Maybe once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get to the f- outlook, I, I just wanted to read a little bit from the outlook. Is there anything else that we wanted to discuss here before we get to viewer listener questions? I thought there was a couple of things that were interesting in that call we didn't touch on. One of them was uh, one of the analysts straight up asked Elon, like, what's your feeling about partnering with other OEMs? You know, you're so far ahead now. You know, you've really left everybody in the dust. You know, would you consider uh, partnerships, you know, for either powertrains or complete platforms or whatever? And he straight up said, sure. Yeah, absolutely. We would we would talk about that. I'm dying to know if the phone rang today (laughs) (laughs) down uh, down in California. California. Uh-huh. I'm, uh, I'm wondering because, you know, they've been on again and off again. I think the last time the subject came up might not have been specifically on powertrains or whatever, but it was kind of like, oh, it was for the charging network. And he says, yeah, uh, actually, it was during Ryan McCaffrey's interview. And he asked him, like, well, what's this happening? You know, like, well, how come no one wants to partner with you on supercharging? He says, well, they all want to do it, but it's they want 17,000 different changes to it. And we're like, true. no, it's got to be plug and play. So I imagine with other OEMs, it's going to be the same thing. But as time goes on and they get more desperate and further behind, I think there's a few people that are going to want to sign up for this. I'm very interested to see 
what's going to happen there. But I, I, I got money that in the next five years, you're going to see some at least one or two big names join back with them. It's, it's not unprecedented for manufacturers to actually do that. Remember, you know, there's a lot of partnerships between, say, Ford and Mazda. They were using a lot of, you know, the More Mazda than ever today, Trev, there are. Oh, I can tell you there's tons of them. I mean, right. you know. However, uh, there's also sentiment a lot in the auto industry. You know, they got the not invented here syndrome in a lot of cases too, too, right? Especially when it comes to the EV stuff. Right yeah. now, it's like, well, either they're not interested or they want to go down their own road, which, of course, ends up, you know, not being cost effective for them. Yeah. So and, and it's not and, you know, this has happened for Tesla before. Remember when they first started out, they had the you know, they had the deal with Daimler and mm-hmm. uh, Toyota as well, making the RAV4 Correct. powertrains and the B200 powertrains for, for Daimler. So there's precedent for this, but those contracts have since uh, expired and stuff like that. And since then, they haven't really done anything. But to go back on your point, I think just to reiterate why Tesla says we don't want to make changes, because they don't have the resources. Because most manufacturers right. are like cell phone manufacturers, for example. Until the iPhone came along, you know, every manufacturer uh, or cell phone carrier would tell the manufacturer, we want this, 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 and this on the phone. And you're just being a bunch of crap on the phones, right? Um, manufacturers are kind of the same way. Well, we want to use the supercharger network. We want to use this, but you got to make these changes. Tesla's like, look, our engineers are overtaxed as it is right now. We can't be making changes for you guys. You accept it wholesale or there's the door. Yep. I would I would liken the idea of supercharging if for other uh, manufacturers like ATMs. If I go to an ATM, I don't care what it is. You put your card in. Machine works the same way for everyone's bank card. It doesn't matter. The machine is the machine. You can't Chase Bank's not going to tell the manufacturer of this ATM at Walgreens going, hey, can you uh, can you guys add a, this thing on the screen so our logo comes up and. Uh, it is you just you go use the machine and you're done with it. Supercharging should be the exact same way. You bring up your car, you connect, you have your adapter, whatever it is, you plug it in, charge it. It bills to whatever account that it is. If the rates are higher for non-Tesla owners, then so be it. Maybe it adds like one half of one percent per kilowatt or whatever it is, and then that's it. You, you kind of go. What, what's interesting here is that there is this this hesitance on the part of the manufacturers uh, to say. They, I think it's they don't want to admit they were wrong yeah, on true. this entire initiative mm-hmm. because they. I feel like if there's some kind of a PR move, if they actually go partner with Tesla, they're admitting our bad. We made a mistake. Tesla had this right the whole time, and now we have to succumb to their needs, and we're going to actually work with them. When I don't think that's it, I think I think it can be spun in the way where we understand the value that Tesla's done. We thank them for what they've done to make this movement towards being electric more significant and doing it in a way where we never thought would be possible. Um, we know the right decision is to partner with them because of the size and scope of their network is only a benefit to our customers as well. So again, if you guys have PR questions, just come see me, but no, but ideally you like, do that. Just work, work. Like it's just in this day and age, we need to stop being, have stop having so much animosity toward each other in terms of the auto district and just work with them. Like they have the technology. It's fine. I mean, you know, no one's sitting there going, you know, these guys at Nissan, oh, my God. Like, no, it's just, it's fine. like Tesla's not degrading any of them. And we know that Elon's among the first people that when any company comes out with a, a, a potential prototype or comes out with a plan for an EV, he's one of the first people to go, good for you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. So the, the, my only concern with the supercharging thing, and I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate right here, is because we have been the exclusive users 
of the supercharging network for so long now that mm-hmm. if there were any other manufacturers that would to sign up with Tesla's system and let's say they pay in whatever amount that they need to and all of a sudden mm-hmm. the public is not educated about this and you know it's bad enough right now where people are shaming other cars for icing the <laughs> the charging stations can you imagine uh, you know some XYZ manufacturer jumping on board with using yeah. the supercharging stations <clears throat> and then one of these cars shows up unannounced and start using the supercharger my god I mean, uh, you know, the community is good. I mean, the uneducated community who's not aware of this change are just going to lose it. Yeah. Uh, I, you could just I, do what I, they I do would, to I, charge points and unplug them. They still have an adapter. I, yeah. I, would, I, I actually would give people more credit than that. I think a lot of Tesla owners are fairly cognizant of something like that if it were to happen. Um, I also would not hold it against Tesla if they were to make an announcement to that effect that you know x x company is now going to partner with them that these cars are you know maybe three specific models of a certain manufacturer will now have the ability to use a supercharging station um and that would that would help a lot to sort of curb that concern you have trevor it's a valid concern i I just i don't really think it's that big of a deal there'll be some occasional person who's going to go it'll happen wait a minute (laughs) you know it'll happen i just don't think it'll be such a, a significant concern and maybe very few and far between but um, but yeah, I think I think there are ways to mitigate that with communication well in advance of the program going live. Mm-hmm. Ian, did you want to throw something else in? Yeah, yeah, I, I just want to say I, I'm with you on that, and I think the other thing that would have to be really thought out is what are the volume implications? Like this extra traffic on the network, you know, are, are we talking about a car that would be very limited production? Like I'm thinking of uh, somebody like Aston Martin. You know, they're they're talking about coming out with with EVs. They've been talking about it for a long time. You know, you you throw 500 Aston Martins on the network no one's ever going to notice. But if you're talking about, you know, 50,000 cars from some other manufacturer, that's going to show up. That's going to register. You know, that's an instant 10% increase in traffic. It could be more. So I would want them to immediately go into building out the network, like adding, you know, especially in the high traffic areas like Bay Area or whatever like that. Okay, like You better be building ahead of it. In other words, you know, yeah. make sure that you ramp the availability of connectors in, in terms of what you're going to expect this new manufacturer coming on board with. That would be my only thing. As long as it doesn't stop me from getting charged when I need yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, so I hear what you're saying. I also think that the majority of folks who would not be Tesla owners that would use those would be predominantly those who are taking long trips. Um, so their charging would be fairly short by that standard. Um, and also, Tesla's con- every 12 to 18 hours, a new station is opening up somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think I think most of those other EV manufacturers, um, when those vehicles do come to market, I think most of those folks would do either home or business charging or some kind of commute charging that's not supercharging. Because um, even now, like how, how many stations we have we been to where there's com- they're completely full? There are some. I'm just saying that even when they're full, they're not full for an hour. A spot opens up 10, 15, 20 minutes. You know what I mean? So I I hear what you're saying. I I just don't think the majority of those cars would be supercharging all the time. Because my my guess, too, is that they would actually pay uh, some kind of a surcharge to use that station. It wouldn't wouldn't be something that would be – it would be something that for them to go, oh, yeah, that's more effective. I think only if they're on the road – but I, I think that's Tesla owners as well. I think we're all in that boat. How often do any of us supercharge? I mean, it's still a very small minority of, of the charges that my car sees. Um, there's only a few of us as Tesla owners, I think, that are like on the network multiple days a week. Um, we're all, that's all the exception cases. But when you need it, you need it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and that would be the thing. Because I do see a couple of them that regularly get full. I was shocked when... Um, 
when we did our little trip up to um, up 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 the St. Lawrence um, mm-hmm. to the um, the Charlevoix area, and there's one in Quebec City. I mean, I pulled in for lunch. There were three cars there. When I came back out, it was full, all twelve stalls. Mm. You know, this is just the middle. It was Tuesday. It was like the middle of the day. Like, whoa, okay, we're not talking like you know. And it wasn't you know Thanksgiving. It wasn't Christmas. This was just Tuesday. So yeah. there's certain areas, you know, like Bay Area. I'm picking out, and there's a few others. I'm sure you guys even have the odd one in Florida where it's it's pretty busy. Yeah. So yeah. that's they just have to watch to make sure that that's managed. Yeah, not so not to belabor the point, but also Model Y is about to come out. So there you go. Boom, I'm, that's gonna I'm, hit just like Model Three hit. Um, yeah. I would say to the point that Eric made because I think you were spot on. Um, I wouldn't do a part. Yeah, it happens. I wouldn't do a partnership with anyone who didn't have a car that fast charged, because to your point, all of us Tesla owners probably only need ten to fifteen minutes. If someone's sitting there and they're getting a trickle charge out of a supercharger, not good. Oh, that I think would, that's that would be part. worse yeah. Um, yeah. with them sitting there, yeah. But I'd watch out for Model Y. I, I don't see this happening anytime soon, given the current the volume spike that's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good point. All right. Well, we should finish up with a little bit of outlook that Tesla put at the end of the call before we get into uh, viewer or listener questions. So I'm just going to read them off real quick here. Um, they talk about vehicle deliveries. They uh, they they expect they're highly confident in exceeding their 360. Uh, thousand deliveries this year. They talk about positive cash flow. They expect to be positive quarterly cash flow going forward with possible temporary exceptions, particularly around the launch and ramp of new products. We continue to believe our business has grown to the point of being self-funding, which means they don't have to go to the markets to get money anymore. Let's hope that that continues. Uh, they talk about profitability. They, expo- they expect to be positive gap net income going forward, again, with possible exceptions around product launches. Uh, continuous volume growth, capacity expansion, and cash generation remain the main focus. Gigafactory 3 is very critical for that. Lastly, product. Uh, they talked about prior, uh, trial production of the Model 3 has begun in Shanghai ahead of schedule. They also are ahead of schedule to produce Model Y and now expecting to launch by summer of 2020 instead of fall 2020. We're planning to produce limited volumes of uh, Tesla Semi in 2020 and hoping to announce soon the location of the European Gigafactory for production in 2021. So all good. I think uh, this is finally, uh, we're at the point right now, hopefully the Tesla will contain, uh, be continues to be uh uh, cash flow positive. Profitability is one of those things everybody harps on, but the thing is, is that cash flow is what keeps a business afloat, not necessarily the profitability. Profitability is the part that you can do dividends and stuff for uh, uh, for shareholders and stuff. But th- this is a long-term game, right? Yeah. So there, there are ways to make profits happen. You can cut expenses. You can do a number of things, but... Robotaxi. Right. How much ca- how much cash you got? That's uh, that's exactly. a big deal. All right. So let's get into this. We want to answer some viewer questions. We don't have too many tonight, but that's okay. We'll take our time here and answer what we can. Oh, by the way, for those of you who are maybe joining the podcast for the first time or maybe on YouTube asking, where the heck do you guys get these questions? Uh, we ask these questions on Twitter. So look for my tweet usually the morning of uh, Thursdays when we do the podcast. Uh, it's a Google form you can fill out. So if you have anything Tesla related, you can send them in and we will answer them as best we can. First question question comes from Wilson. He says, I recently had an issue with autopilot my Model 3 where it notified me that lane departure was disabled due to limited visibility. I checked the cameras and noticed there was some condensation in both the B-pillar cameras, occluding their view of the road. Should I contact Tesla service to remedy this? 
I realize that there are heaters in the camera modules that can clear this up over time, but I'm surprised that water would find its way in there. I checked the forums. Seems to be mixed opinions on this. Uh, the answer is yes, absolutely. There should not be any yeah. water in those cameras at all. Um, the only water should be in a Tesla is usually in the taillights. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, zinger. Yeah. Um, yes, definitely contact Tesla. Get that remedied, uh, Wilson. Um, let us know if you get that sorted out. Um, we'd like to hear back from you. But absolutely, make a service appointment. Get that looked after. That should not be there. All right. Next question comes from Jim. He says, do you think the tire wear, uh -huh, this is one for Ian probably, do you think tire wear and kilowatt hours efficiency are related? I drive my Model 3 long range very conservatively, 310, uh, 210. 210, sorry, 210 watt hours per kilometer um, trying to maximize my tires. I have to ask before Ian gives us the answer, Jim, you need to floor that car sometime. <laughs> you got to get that number up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian, before you answer, can I guess that the answer is it doesn't matter? It, no, it does. Oh. Ah, dang it. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> I, that's it. Sorry, guys. My last show. See you later. Bye. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, now now, now I feel so bad. I, I, I'm going to try and work Eric's angle into it. Okay, how could I figure out the physics behind this that it wouldn't matter? No, it, sadly, it matters greatly. Is The problem with the instant torque delivery of electric motors is so severe on tires that you have Goodyear and other companies who are now releasing dedicated tires for EVs where the tread construction, and particularly the way the siping's arranged and the, the chemistry of it, all of it is optimized so that when it gets that instant blast of torque, it doesn't shred, you know, the the bottom layer of the um, the tread block off. So yeah, the how heavy you are on your pedal on these cars has a massive effect on wear. Um, the odd, you know, if the spirited start is not going to be a problem, but if you're constantly just like goosing it every time you you leave the stoplight or braking hard, <laughs> for sure you're you're gonna you're gonna eat up uh, you're gonna eat up the tires. There's no question. There's a direct correlation there. How, so. how long are my well, uh, sport pilots gonna last me? <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna contest this because I'm gonna give you why I think the answer is it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, and you're a tire expert, so I I know I'm barking up the wrong tree, but forgive me here. All right. So. So the, the, the way the way I read Jim's question is in terms of does the amount of energy make a difference in wear of tire? You're right, and this I think applies to any car. If you're constantly flooring it from a dead stop, you're basically causing little bits of rubber to shred off. Especially like in Florida, where Michael and I drive, the roads here are god awful. I mean, they, yep. there's micro pieces of shell and stuff, so all those fragments can certainly wear down the tires more frequently because of temperature, because of road conditions. So there's other factors in my mind that can affect also long time tread worth or um, tread depth, but. I also, on average, drive about 235 kilowatts per mile, not 210. I would beg to differ that my car going at 230, 235 is not showing a significant amount of tread wear any more so than someone driving at 210. You're absolutely right. Now, here's where we can work. Yeah, yeah. I'm back, baby. <laughs> okay, let me give you an example. It took me, you, the time it took you to talk, I sort of worked out, wait a second, there is a way that, that both things can be true. I might be right. Yeah, sure. You know why? Because you you cruise at a fairly Florida-like speed of somewhere around 75 to 80 miles an hour, right, when you're on the highway. Which is 772. Yeah, okay. Don't don't try. I know. 
Okay. <laughs> All good. It's legit. That's that yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida roads, you know, especially yeah. the further south you go, you know, the, the you got to survive on the roads here, man. Exactly. No, I know. I've yeah. been there. It's 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 like Thunderdome. So um, <laughs> here's the thing. If your car is at a steady speed at 85 or 90 miles an hour, you're going to be using way more um than than our, our case here with jim who you know who's getting a nice you know reasonable 210 uh watt hours per mile mm-hmm. you're going to be burning way more than that and you're not going to experience any more tire wear i mean there'd be a very slight increase in the temperature of the tire certainly not enough to uh, significantly affect the wear so at steady state speeds yes you could consume considerably more and and not really have any difference in, in tire. so on that point yes if you look at it that way ec for the win however I read it differently when I see it and he says, I drive it very conservatively. I'm thinking Jim is the opposite of me, who is so thankful (laughs) tires from tire companies because otherwise he'd be bankrupt. So yeah, I when when I read, you know, I drive it very conservatively. I mean, I'm assuming the whole envelope, right? There, he's very, right, right. he's regening as much as he can. He's not leaning into the brakes, you know. He's not trying to ditch five liter Mustangs at every green light. I mean, right. I, I'm th- that's what I'm picturing. So that's how my initial response was. No, uh, you're definitely going to conserve tires by driving conservatively. But no, you you could drive very high speeds, use a huge amount of energy, and you wouldn't get, you know, if there was no, no Michael torque you know what was the mileage in your car before you just got new tires yeah i was just gonna say i just got new tires so i made it thirty-three thousand miles with the uh, 19 inch sport wheels that's pretty good one big yeah i i I was okay with that Mm -hmm. um one thing to look at when you come up to replacing them tread wear rating my new tires are supposed to last much longer Mm. than the oem tires and they were cheaper and they're quieter about the same so you know, your question was about if making your tires last as long as possible. I think the way you can make them last as long as possible is when you go buy your second set, get longer lasting tires <laughs> yeah. on top of it. Yeah. You might only ever need two sets. So that could last you and, a real long time. And to your point, Michael, that goes hand in hand. I mean, a driver who's very conservative in nature will be very happy with a higher tread wear, more touring oriented tire because they're not mm-hmm. pushing the li- limits of traction. Yeah. Right. You have to consider safety, uh, you know, in raining conditions or if it's colder and if you're using it as an all season and snow, these are all factors for sure. But someone who's, you know, willing to keep their speed down and then, you know, corner much more slowly and so on is never going to test the limits, you know, of the OEM tires. There's no reason you couldn't go to a harder, harder compound. I have no problem with that at all. It's just if you're if you're really driving the car and using a lot of its performance limits, going to a much harder compound might not be wise. It's a very personal thing. This is a great opportunity to plug this. If you have questions for Ian, you can find them on the Tesla Owners Online Forum. There are many threads about tires and wheels. Chances are he's had some feedback, some input, some answer somewhere. So if you have a lot of questions on this and more, what brands to get, what tires to have, what snow tires to use, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Ian knows everything. And even once in a while, he second guesses himself. But generally, he's right on the money. I found my tires because of Ian. He brought them up and that's yeah, his, on Twitter. His, yeah. Listen, his official title on the forum is resident TOO tire and wheel expert. So I had nothing to do with that. That was just the pages. <laughs> that was me. He's stowing that upon me. And and I'm very fortunate and then I certainly I'm a long way from knowing everything about tires. I've been in it thirty years. I still don't know it all, but I know a lot of people who know even more. So I have access to those people and friends, I can get you the answers if I don't know. Believe it or not. Ian was around when the wheel was invented, and he looks fantastic. 
Him and Jamie Heineman, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, moving along. Next question comes from Renee. He says, I have a Model 3 SR Plus. Can you currently jump multiple lanes using a single action? He says, my daily no. drive has a section with multiple lane mergers and bad pavement. NOA wants to keep me in the merging lane, so I have to jump across three lanes and then jump back. One touch lane select or a preferred lane option would be nice. Yes, I agree. Right now, uh, this is in baby steps. So right now you can mm -hmm. only change one lane at a time. So uh, one thing that I've noticed on my Model 3 now that I've had it for a while compared to the X, and I'm, you know, I'll put, probably try and remember to put this in a video, is because the, the flashers or the blinkers or however it works, the turn stock operates different on the Model 3 because it's only momentary. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. You just put the blinker on, it moves in the lane, it cancels itself. On the Model X, right. I would never do that. I would always have to cancel it. So that's yeah. a nice little bonus. Anyways. Th this might be jurisdictional, because I know in Florida, while switching three lanes at once, or six, is the norm. It's absolutely illegal. <laughs> um, right. It's, it's reckless driving, too. even if you have to do it. So yeah. I think the car will be careful. Like, I noticed that I, I could have sworn the car switched lanes over solid lines, and in V10 that stopped, but... Uh, people replied to me on Twitter and said, no, it's, it's, it hasn't done that in a while. The mm -hmm. car's pretty good about following the laws, too. Um, I don't think they're going to let us switch three lanes at once or in one move. I, I, I don't see I that. Not, not if you're trying to reach level four, level five autonomy. You can't have just some rogue car just clearing traffic. Hey, listen, like, it's bad enough. There, we, like. we have, hey, listen, it's bad enough that we have people uh, abusing Smart Summon right now. The last thing we need is yeah. our toys to be taken away. And, so, and I, I, I can relate to this because on my morning commute, I have to get over five lanes quickly to make my pay to speed lane, the HOV lane. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. it's bad highway design, but I don't think they're going to let the car do something wrong. I mean, your your best bet in that case, Renee, is you have your setting for NOA to be on Mad Max mode. But even then, it's not going to just all of a sudden like switch three lanes all the time. But it will. It, it's less patient about being behind the slower driver. It's going to want to keep switching over. So that's the only really benefit right there right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, the, the, this is about the long game. The long game is NOA is in beta. It's trying to get more data to see about how to drive safely. The goal is how is this car going to perform without a person in the car? And no, it will not just switch three lanes because it can. It'll actually switch one lane at a time because, you know, that's the law. <laughs> yeah. All right, next question comes from Jamie. He says, what do you guys think about the idea of Tesla adding a video tutorial to play before someone takes a test drive? I'm not talking about how to drive the car, but more like the quick reference to all the features and how cool Teslas are and the great soundtrack of the background to get someone uh, primed before putting the car in drive. That's well, too much time. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, Tesla does have tutorials in the car in V10 right now. You have to tap entertainment, mm -hmm. and it's right there. Um, yep. But those are largely the same tutorials that Tesla has published on their website as well as the YouTube channel. Um, look, I've been a longtime critic of the Tesla people working in the showrooms. I mean, they're great people and they work really, really hard and stuff. Unfortunately, I don't think they get enough training. They tend to be young people. They get a lot of turnover. And I've said this many times before. I think one of the ways to solve the problem as far as familiarity, yes, Eric, <laughs> is to actually let these people, these new hires, whatever, like give them a car for two, three weeks, something like that. Like let them live the car. Most of them can't even buy a Model 3 when they first start out anyways. I think a lot of the, that can be sorted by just letting them, like here's a company car, live with it for two to three weeks, get familiar with it. Um, there are other ways of tackling this. 
again, as owners, uh, whenever we talk to people, we should always try and make a point of telling people, let's go for a drive. Let me show you the ins and outs and stuff. I mean, boots on the ground, butts and seats. That's the best way to get across it. It, it would be nice. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people say, you know, Tesla should do this and Tesla should do that. I mean, we just learned from the thing. I mean, they only have so many finite resources, right? So... Uh, yeah, trying to get support from them right now is still problems in many cases, right? A, I think it's a it's a neat idea though, right? Like you get I, on, I agree. You get on an airplane and now you watch a video for the safety instructions. You don't have who a, watches that? You don't watch that, do you? Why well, the <laughs> video's playing? I didn't mean I was watching it, but they don't have a person doing it anymore. This would be the same thing. It yeah. could help combat what you were mentioning that they, the sales staff is not some, some most of the time. We're all up to date more than, oh, than the staff yeah. when these features are rolling out. Double-edged sword. These features are rolling out so fast that these videos quickly become outdated, making them obsolete, making them have to get get replenished. It, it's tricky. I think it's a neat idea. But Again, an ownership yeah. experience in the sense of like living with the car day in and day out would teach them a lot more. Yeah. Because they're but, so busy, they can't afford to sit in the car for five or six hours learning this stuff. They got other things to do, right? Well, here's what I'm thinking. Maybe a, there's a hybrid strategy here where you could, you know, you could have the videos. Uh, running in the showroom cars because obviously the mm, the test drive cars idea. you know that's prime time right you you want to get as many going as you sit them in you know it's kind of like at, at Disney World and some of those rides where they stage you and then you know the, off you go onto the ride well here they would stage you in the showroom you'd watch your little five minute video on the screen in the car you know where you can and it would prompt you you know you could have it okay do this do this and press here see what happens there's some so, real opportunities there for sure yeah that's it and now okay go outside get into the test drive car and off you go yeah so lots of ways to skin this cat all right we got to move on uh, let's see here. Next question comes from Vivian. Can I purchase winter tires from and installed by my local tire shop? Will it damage the battery? Thank you. Well, yeah, that's a it's an excellent question. I know a lot of people get very paranoid. Like, can I trust the average garage to know how to lift a Tesla? And yes and no. It is in I the manual. So far heard of any horror stories, but uh, you have to be extraordinarily cautious because yes, the car has four very particular lifting points under the chassis. They're very obvious. If you just look underneath your head down, look underneath the rocker panel, you'll see along the bottom edge of the car, just where the, the, the floor becomes sort of level, there is these two big tabs on either side, you know, about six, eight inches or something back from each of the wheel wells, forward and rearward. And you'll see there, there's sort of like these little oval metal plates with round holes in them. So most standard garage lifts, if you position them perfectly, the little feet underneath those pads, you don't need any special adapters. They're more than sturdy enough. As long as there's a flat surface pad with enough area, it's going to safely lift the car. Uh, if you want to be super paranoid and, and do it absolutely correctly, buy the jack pad adapters. I have a set too. I mean, you know, yeah. um, especially when you're using with home jacks because they're a little bit more wonky. Well, they have the round, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's basically a puck with a little knob in it and it snaps in there. Mm -hmm. So buy a set of those. And when you go to the garage, you know, make sure you give them to the, 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 the tech and say, here, could you just pop in these four little hockey pucks here? And that'll that'll help ensure that they don't make any mistakes. It's just to add a level of safety. But any tech knows what he's doing or she's doing and, and lines up, you know, a standard garage lift correctly under those plates, you won't have a problem. I, I do believe it is covered in the manual. So if you tap settings yeah. and then tap service down at the bottom, there is an online manual. Yeah. I know a lot yeah. of people don't know this. So there's a manual yeah. built into the Model 3, and you can search. Yeah. Yeah. So look at that. Eric, you're you're also, uh, a fun fact is that I think a lot of Costco tire locations, they were distributing those hockey puck-like uh, 
things for the car. Uh-huh. So if a Tesla does come to a Costco, they actually know how to lift it up correctly nice. with, the, uh, with the pucks. Cool. All right. I hope that answers your question, Vivian. All right. Last question of the night comes from Mike. Not this Mike. Another Mike. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, this one's for Ian. He says, thinking about some new rims for next summer. I really like the classic Japanese rims. What's the widest square setup I could go with? And what uh, is the most aggressive offset? I have a dual motor Model 3. Best money I've ever spent to use the car for work. 133,000 kilometers in 10 months. Zero issues. I plan on being one of the first to a million. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That's a lot of mileage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody's making some good money selling this guy tires. Um, <laughs> yeah, I okay, that's a super easy one to answer. Uh, nine and a half inch wide is about the biggest practical size. I've seen some people squeeze tens. I believe our friend Sasha from um, Mountain Pass, Mountain Pass Motorsports, yeah, has has done tens all around. But it's it's pretty sketchy. Uh, that's really really rough to make work. But nine and a half all day long, you can do um, around a plus thirty two to plus thirty five offset on a standard car would be ideal to do a nine and a half all the way around and up to a two sixty five wide tire. So I don't know if you're planning on doing eighteens, nineteens, twenties, but that those numbers work pretty pretty much in all three sizes. How uh, how far does that stick out from? You're like hella flush as the kids would say you're, you're basically <laughs> square edge to the fender there I, is that what they're saying these days you're taking That's a rate and you're taking a pretty big range hit when you do something like that too right oh absolutely i, I mean you know i i find <laughs> it interesting that somebody that's doing that much mileage wants to put on this super range sucking setup but more power to you i mean you know yeah. if that floats your boat i mean you know it's electricity uh, is not nearly as expensive as fuel so mm-hmm long as you don't need the range you know on a daily basis if you don't have to go 100 percent, then it's I'm, all good i'm curious to see what mine's going to do because so, soon i'm going to take the uh, 20s off because i just got the evo ones mm-hmm. uh 18 inch so i'm curious to see what that's going to do to my i've been paying attention i've got a testify account stuff and i've set it up since day one so i'm curious to see what changes of course the temperatures are starting to drop now too so anyways um, you know what i'm interested to find out i would like trevor i think you should do this i think you should put out a, a survey on twitter and have people answer how they display their energy. Is it in mileage or is it in percentage? Percentage, percentage, percentage. Yeah, I, I, a lot of us do, but I'm wondering how many owners are, are particular. They're not ready to make the switch. That's to a good point. Percentage. I'll do that. I'll do that tomorrow. I'm, I'll... I'm curious. I would be because I would. I would. I'm going to guess right now without having any data to prove this that more people use mileage than they do energy. Oh, for sure. Way more. I, I think. Yeah. But this is what comes from the factory. Most people don't know any different. Yeah, I bet you it's twenty percent of us do percentage, and eighty percent of us are doing are doing units. Because to your point, you mentioned this recently, which is if you do percentage, you don't think about the minor fluctuations in mileage overall. No. Like if your car is charging to ninety percent, it's ninety percent. You don't know if it's ninety percent of three ten, two ninety eight. I literally never worry about it. I drive it till I need yeah. to charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. no one drives to zero. Like you're crazy. You're gonna you're gonna at some point have to plug in your car somewhere. Um, and I think it, I think you have less anxiety on a percentage base because like your phone doesn't tell you how many minutes of, of charge you have left. It just tells you it's down to eight percent, seven percent, six percent. So how your phone can do it, but you won't do it for your car, doesn't make any sense. Well, that's exactly the way I always put it to people. Uh, you know, treat it like a cell phone. It doesn't tell you how many minutes. It's the exact same thing. Most gas cars, yeah. you know, recent cars may have a trip computer in there where you can bring up and it says mm-hmm. estimated range, but the gas gauge yeah. doesn't show you that. It shows right. you full, half, or empty. 
So yeah. why, why should this car be any different? But anyways, that's the way Tesla does it from the factory. It's always set to mileage or kilometers when you first get it. It's up to you to switch it to percentage, which I did from mm -hmm. first day, and I never looked at it. Now, I did, I'll be honest. I did switch it. When I get down to 10 or 20%, somewhere like a round number like that, I will mm -hmm. flip it over to kilometers so I get a, a rough idea, a mental idea, so that you know right. when I'm at 20, oh, it's 100 kilometers or it's this or whatever. I, I did Especially I did that on the Model X because I needed to know because that thing was a, a pig. <laughs> As far as, as far as range is concerned and stuff like that. But I have a mental note now so I know, so I don't have to flip back and forth or, or operate on one. But that's my, I, that's my I just go to the energy graphs because if I'm doing a trip where I have a destination, you go to the energy graph. Man, that thing is dialed in. It's yeah. like mm -hmm. super accurate. Yeah, yeah, I always use that too. That's that's quite handy. Yeah. Well, that brings us pretty much to the end of the show. Any closing thoughts here before we uh, sign off? I just think this uh, these next few months for Tesla, as they close out 2019, are going to be uh, really momentous uh, heading into 2020 uh, with the uh, all the different production they have coming up for next year with Gigafactory 3 coming online in China. I mean, it's this is a great time to be part of what's happening with this movement. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in Q4. I think we're going to see some pretty awesome figures. Maybe, maybe not uh, comparable to quarter through to the third quarter, but... I think we're going to see some some pretty good numbers to close out the year. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have the numbers out in January, and maybe it might be just as good. Well, yeah. since, be a late Christmas. Yes, of course. Well, since Michael is our guest tonight and he's joining us, uh, you take the floor and plug whatever the heck you want. Obviously, Tesla Tuna oh. YouTube channel. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to Trevor for having me here. No problem, buddy. He's going to spend about two hours in the car shuttling me around here, so <laughs> ah, thank you. No problem. Nicest Super I've ever been in. His, um, his Elon Musk signature car. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, I've obviously I've met Trevor before. We've done things together, but coming to his house, seeing where his the videos have been filmed, where the magic is made, it's baby. Casa Gongsho. His setup here is amazing, by the way. Um, but yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, all under the name Tesla Tunity, and of course on the Tesla Owners Online forum. Under the name Sofla Model 3, I can't give up that old legacy name. I love it. I was going to say, switch it over. <laughs> Got to hang on to it. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Eric, how about you? What do you want to plug? Um, so first and foremost, we're going to make a special announcement uh, in the coming weeks ahead. Uh, there's an event we have planned. We're not going to reveal too many details yet. Uh, if you're familiar with our show, you kind of know what this is. Uh, details to come so that's gonna be exciting news once it uh is solidified um but you guys can follow me on twitter the handle is ec fix that is ecfix my thanks to all the new followers it's amazing the numbers i'm getting now it's crazy uh and one last thing i wanted to plug um ian's gonna do this but um if you go to his online store at teespring teespring.com you can search for magic hungarian uh there's all kinds of awesome uh, merchandise on the shop. If you buy this stuff, and we love to wear, we all have some stuff like that. Uh, if you buy his stuff, it supports some great, great, great initiatives, both here in the U.S. and up in Canada, um, all geared and centralized around uh, electric vehicles and the revolution and everything else. Uh, it matters. Right now, a lot of uh, small agencies are really, really looking for support to help make their initiatives come to life. Uh, and there's a way of doing that, which is buying a mug, buying a shirt. Uh, there's new Model Y stuff out there. So I'm giving them a big plug because you know what? There's some cool stuff. The holidays are coming. Canada just had their Thanksgiving. We here in America are going to have our Thanksgiving. Once Thanksgiving happens, like the holiday season is in the high year, get your stuff early. Avoid the mad rush in the mall. 
avoid the mad Hungarian rush in the mall <laughs> and get your stuff now while you can. There you go. That's the plug. Have a nice day. All right. My, thanks, Eric. Oh my God. I'm thanks, never going to be able to top that. Dude, you should just do that every week. I mean, I, I should have hired this guy as my PR guy. He does it 500 times better than I do. I would be wearing this shirt, but it's in the wash. I wore it earlier today at the work, and I'm like, oh, man. So anyway. All well, right, Ian. It's your turn, buddy. I, I'm out. I'm like, what am I going to put on that? I, I, I can't top that. Can't I'm top I, that. I, I plugged you in the forum. I plugged your shirts. I mean. Everything. Everything. I, I, I plugged your hair. I mean, what else am I going to do? <laughs> no, you didn't. It's 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 that's that would be the next stage. That's 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 all I'm missing here. I beg to differ on that one. But uh, yes, no. Th- thank you very much for that. That was lovely. Um, at Ian Pavelko is the Twitter handle, and if you're looking for me at the forum, it's Mad Hungarian, and uh, and there you have it. Um, and it was uh, so much fun to have the four of us on the show here uh, again tonight. This was awesome. It's always fun. I love this crowd. Well, uh, I guess it's my turn. You can follow me on Twitter. The handle is uh, Tesla Owners Online, or if you want the short, it's uh, Model 3 Owners. Check out the forum at teslaownersonline.com. My handle on there is Trev P. I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, the guys at EvanX, the guys at Fine Lab Ceramic Coatings, and our good friends at Doolaban Insurance. Those guys do awesome work for all of us. I want to say thank you to all of our sponsors again, and all of you who uh, tune in and give us some of your valuable time to listen to us bozos talk for about an hour and a bit every week or just about every week anyways that's it for tonight uh, we'll we'll catch you on the next one thanks for watching see you guys good night <laughs> goodbye it's chip time should have been eating these yeah <laughs> should have been crunching in between each uh, absolutely there's no time to catch up oh, oh. oh.